Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks Everybody with me, your host Jackson Stone. This is episode number 91. Whoa. That's insane. <clears throat> and I know I say this literally every single week when you listen to this podcast, which drops every single Tuesday, that I have a special guest. If I have a guest, sometimes I do solo episodes, so this I don't have a guest. This is the specialist, okay? This is the <laughs> But for real, I really mean this. <laughs> yeah. It's a very special guest. We're recording this uh, on March 6, 2022, the day of my grandma's or our grandma's 90th birthday party. Yeah. So we're in Phoenix, Arizona at this like really quite beautiful Airbnb. You can see this background, there's a pool, there's like a little golfing putt-putt area. If you're watching this via YouTube, if you're just listening on Spotify or Apple, obviously you can't tell, but thanks for listening anyways. But trust us, it's beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so my guest today is my cousin, Jessica. Hello. Hey. Hey. It's really quite lovely to see you. I know, you And as be well. with you and talk to you. It's been great. Uh, I feel like we've, we, we've always had a good relationship. For sure. We're only, what, about six years apart? Yeah. But over at least the last couple years, since I've changed, I think you've changed, yeah. grown, become very wise and insightful, we've had some quite beautiful conversations about life and uh, improving and all these things that I talk about on this pod. We've connected about them very deeply in like, you know, when we've seen each other at family yeah. events and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And so that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast. Well, thank you. Because I think we can have a great conversation. Yeah, Like excited. we normally do, just in front of a camera, while oh. your sister is in the background looking at us. I know. Hopefully she's not going to distract me. But, I don't you know, think so. we'll see. Her baby might come in the room. You yeah. never know. There's you a lot of dogs know. and babies that do come on the show. All right. So well. we appreciate them here. And the <laughs> cuteness factor is very nice. It's true. I left my kids at home, but I'm okay with my sister's kids. So. And, and you asked me yes. what I was going to ask you on this podcast. Yes. And I told you there's only one question. Yeah. And you know what that question is? I do. I Everyone do. who listens to the show knows what that question is. It's the, the very important theme of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have a hard time asking it right off the bat when I introduce my guests because it's such a common question that we ask all the time. But I want to know the real answer, which is super important for yeah. us creating a deeper connection, which is basically the most beautiful part of life, right? Creating these deep, meaningful, genuine connections with the people around you. Yeah. Whether family, friends, peers, coworkers, all that good stuff. So, Jess. Yes. How are you doing? Like, for real, for real. I'm fine. <laughs> and thank you uh, for joining us this week. That's it. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, how am I doing? I'm good. I really am. I am really happy to be here. Mm. I feel like over the past two years, it's been tough with everything going on. Having to manage your own mind and your kids, my kids, and I live in Israel, so am I going to see my family? Can they come in? All that. So to think that I was able to get here and spend time with family, celebrate our grandmother, have an opportunity to like stop and think about memories, it's been really special. So that right now in this moment, mm. feels really good. Um, the past two years have been real, they've been tough, you know? I think, I launched my own business, which has been awesome. Oh yeah. But that takes a lot of work, as you know, mm -hmm. right? And probably a lot of people out there know, it takes a lot of work to find the confidence and the balls to do it. So that was like a whole thing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, Recently, I, I started feeling like when I first launched, 
Anytime I would get scared, I would lean into that fear and do it because I, 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 I am a firm believer that on the other side of fear is like something amazing, mm. right? But lately, I haven't been so afraid anymore, and I feel like I'm getting into a rut. So I've been thinking about that also. Like, okay, what's the next thing I have to do, even for my own business? Like, what's the next scary thing I need to do so that I can grow personally and then just professionally because that's what happens next. When you grow personally, I think you just grow professionally. You feel more comfortable, confident, and you just go out there. So I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Mm. Um, and then, you know, my kids. Um, I got four beautiful children. I feel really, really blessed. Um, and just trying to figure out who I am, who I am as a mom, as a wife, as a person, what they need. How can I try to do what I need to do for them, knowing that I'm probably messing up, but doing the best I can. You know, all that stuff. So I've been doing a lot, a lot of all that, a lot of big big thinking. I definitely didn't let the past two years just happen to me. I've tried to take advantage of this like pause that I feel like a lot of us have had. Mm. Um, so to answer your question of how I am, I feel like I'm big feelings. You know, <laughs> that's what I am. That's how I feel now, mm. you know? But yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> what do you say to that? I have quite a few things to say to that. Okay, I'm, I'm ready for them. The first one being, how, how did you land in this mindset that you've developed? Because it's not something you just like say you're going to do and then it happens, right? You have to like put in some real work and practice and patience and make this like conscious effort that you're going to do this thing that you want to do. Yeah. Or believe this way or launch this business or... Mm -hmm. And so yeah. was it because of COVID that put you in a situation that you needed it? Or was it something you were thinking about pre everything that happened and then it kind of jump started it because you, you had to do it? Yeah. It's a good question. I think all forever I've had my own challenges. I think we all do. I think like some, some of us acknowledge them and try to face them and some of us don't. And maybe some of us aren't able to like that's not a, a fault it's just so I think from a very young age I was fully aware that I had some anxiety challenges mm. and that I had some like just general ADHD academic challenges right but I always like I was always accomplished I always managed through those challenges to like get the stuff I needed to get done so I worked extra hard in school, and so I pulled off my B pluses and A minuses. I had some anxiety, but like I was able to manage through it, you know. Um, I think because I've had those kind of um, manageable yet constant challenges, mm. right? I've always been pretty good at going deep. Mm. Um, Sometimes deeper than in other times, but always I've always I've always been really really fine acknowledging my challenges and knowing what's hard and what's not hard for me. I think there was something with the past couple years that I finally was able to get comfortable with some of my challenges in a way I haven't before. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if things just became more clear to me. Um, I'm not 100% sure why, mm. you know? But 
things just became clear. Mm. I became very aware that um, I can decide how I want to feel. Right. And I'm not going to be... I'll tell you what, a couple years ago, before COVID, mm. I started like choosing a couple words each year. Like, what are my words this year? You know, like on New Year's. Um, I think it was the year before COVID. And I said, I'm not, I, what was the word? I'm going to be unforgiving, not unforgiving, no, unapologetic. That mm. was the word. Because I felt like I was always apologizing. I was like trying to be a people pleaser. I was always trying to like fix other people around me. And it's exhausting. Mm. I think I, my anxiety was wrapped up in that. Like, is everyone okay around me? Or what did I do? Did I by accident hurt someone? And it's like, it was starting to like crumble. I was crumbling with that. So I said, I'm going to be unapologetic. And with that, there was the caveat, obviously, of like, I know that I'm empathetic. I know that I am. I know that I, I say sorry when I need to. Mm -hmm. but, but I was saying sorry a lot when I didn't need to, right. you know? So I set out that I was going to be unapologetic. And I think that was actually the beginning because I noticed myself in situations where I was about to feel bad about something or about to think back to that conversation. Did I by accident say the wrong thing? And I remember that word and it kind of like set me free. It's like, mm -hmm. no, no, Jesse, you're being unapologetic this year. I think that was like kind of the beginning and then the past couple of years of like a forced pause and looking at your friendships and what, you know, it just kind of, it helped me go deep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think all that stuff. So do you think now that you mentioned the word manage a few yeah. times while yeah. you were speaking about some of your anxiety and ADHD growing up, mm -hmm. do you think now you've made the switch from managing per se to maybe flourishing or optimizing instead of just managing on these things that have deemed challenges in your life? Yeah, I think with my anxiety, definitely. Um, in, in general, my anxiety got a lot better when I had kids, which is interesting. Huh. Could, go, could get worse for a lot of people. Sure. Uh, I, as I've aged, my anxiety has become much less of a burden in my life, hands down. My ADHD has become very difficult over the past year. And that's been interesting to try and think, understand what's, what's going on, why is this all of a sudden? I, I feel like when it came up in like high school, I managed it, I developed a set of skills and it was fine. And I sort of used those skills for, throughout. And then recently I've had to like look at that again because those skills are not enough. Mm. So that piece, I'm, I'm becoming reacquainted with the adult version of my ADHD. Mm. Um, and that's been challenging, but also, you know, okay. I just, I sort of had to meet it again. I had to like meet this diagnosis again in a totally new light. Yeah. So that's been interesting. But with anxiety, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I, sometimes it's a hindrance because I see other people who are suffering with anxiety. And I, I find, I do find myself sometimes that I have trouble having patience because I'm like, I, I guess there's a piece of me that's like, I, I, I overcame that. And so sometimes it's hard for me to like be brought back into that through someone else, which mm -hmm. I have to work on because that's obviously not help fair to them or productive for me. But in general, I feel I feel a sense of freedom um, with the anxiety piece for sure, um, which is really really great. You know, I mean, I used to have all these thoughts about my friendships, and I just find myself now just making good assumptions about relationships mm. and about people around me. Mm. And I'm judging a lot less. And I, ju I, feel, I feel a sense of freedom from that regard. And it's, it's like liberating. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one assumption I have that's made my life exponentially better, hmm. assuming everyone is doing the best they can. Exactly. And starting from that point allows mm -hmm. me to have a better view of someone who might be doing behavior that 
from afar I don't agree with. Correct. But then thinking about what might their situation be. Totally. They're probably doing the best they can with the things they have at their um, disposal. At their disposal, right? Yeah. yeah, good word. And then maybe when I get yeah. to know them a little bit better, I can figure out what's happening. Maybe yeah. I can offer some help or advice or support or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but that leads me into um, like kind of what you do now, right? Yeah. So you launched the business. Yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us about what you do. Not the elevator pitch. I want like yeah, the real yeah. deal. The real stuff. I want sure. the real deal. Yeah, sure. Because um, so, you went to school and all that. You're very well educated, right? Yeah. Someone who's very good with your words and that led you into what you're doing now. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always done like classic stuff. Like I, I work in communication and in healthcare, right? I do the, those two things. And I've always done that in a variety of forms with big companies and small companies. But um, about a year and a half ago, I wanted to kind of launch officially. I wanted to put myself out there. I wanted to start building a name for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just like catching projects here and there. Um, so I went all in. I, I tried to build a website for myself, which is, you know, good enough. I'm working with a designer. Hopefully we're going to actually launch a real one. Yeah, a better one. It, what I have now is it's real. real. It's real. It's, it's real, real and it's live. Yeah, it's real. And that was scary. Pressing publish was scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I've been trying to, you know, write blog posts again, like, Finding the creative voice in me that I, I didn't know existed. Um, professionally, I'm pretty like strategic and dogmatic with the writing that I do, right? Because I'm helping companies, um, big and small, kind of find their voice and work on their messaging and help them really articulate what it is that they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Cut through the noise and the jargon and get simple and concise. And that's not so creative. It's great. It's a, it's it's I love it. It's strategic. It's I got to think about every word. Um, but in my blogs that I've just try been trying to write just as practice for me and also to start um, just getting out there and being in front of people, um, I've been trying to tap into like the creative part of me that I actually didn't, I never thought of myself as creative. Mm. Um, and I, I'm sure that that has something to do with anxiety and people pleasing. Right. And it's like much easier to just be like the, yeah, like I'm strategic or when you open yourself up to creativity, like there's going to be people who don't think it's great and there's going to be people who like it, right? So I think that there was a piece of me that always just shut that off and it's been nice to open it back up and not care if people like it or not like it. Um, but from the from the business perspective, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm, I love, I love it. I like working with companies and trying to help them figure out how to get clear. Uh, how do they want the world to see them? Who are they talking to? Um, I actually just just uh, worked on a post posted it last week that I think a big part of what I do professionally is lessons I've learned from my interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, having kind of like a scattered mind and needing to really be methodical about the words I use and the way that I show up for friends. I sort of developed a set of skills. And now I do that professionally, and it's been like a really easy transition for me. Um, and it's interesting to, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was happening, you know, until recently. And so I wrote a blog post about it. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been fun. It's been exciting to build something um, and not be 100% sure of where it's going to go. That's also kind of fun. It's very fun. I know that exact feeling. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. If you have seen, well, if you're, uh, if you subscribe to the uh, You Are Love newsletter, then you've read some of 
your writing <laughs> as the some of the the big one that I sent out for like the fundraiser right with all that really concise information was written by you right uh, and if you uh, are familiar with champions adjust and you listen to that podcast or you've been to the website that mindset program and that some of those words right. there were also written by you yeah and so I don't like what's the word mm-hmm. You need me to help you find a word? I'm good at that. Yeah, I know. That's it's good. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like I have an idea. Uh-huh. Right. And we didn't yeah. really extensively talk about either of these things. Right. Right. I just kind of sent you this like blanket email. Right, right. And was like, "Hey, yeah. Can you help me because, make this sound good?" And yeah. you did exactly that without right. without giving you any like real context, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really incredible thing. Yeah. But when I start working with like a client individually, mm-hmm. I first want to get pretty crystal clear on kind of their values because you can build up from your values about what might be hindering you, what your limiting beliefs might be, how you can flourish. And you want to get like crystal clear on those values. Is that yeah. what you do when you're working with said company or how do you how do you get to know them well enough so you can write a clear enough message for them and be delivered the way you want it to be delivered? Yeah, that's a good question. It depends. Uh... Sometimes clients want me to come in and they'll sign up for like the foundation package that I like to do. And the first step there, uh, you know, obviously it's like an hour or two of a meeting where I'm asking a lot of questions and they're sending me their materials that they have so I can get a good understanding before I even really sit down with them. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of like three parts. So first, I always tell clients that they have to understand their audience before they even try to write anything. You can't possibly write a message to someone if you don't understand who is the person that you're writing to. So you have to not only identify them superficially, you have to you have to know them. You have to really know them. So I call it a stakeholder map, but it's, you know, interpersonally, right? If you're going to give a talk, you can't start writing it unless you know who the audience is because mm-hmm. it will fall flat. Right. So I like to work through that with clients. Like, let's really get an under, you know, I have them tell me, teach me about your business so that we together can identify who your audience is. In the business world, it's not just your, it's not just the, the person who's going to buy the product. If I'm going into a hospital and I'm selling something, it's the doctor who's going to use it. It's the patient who's going to be the end recipient. It's the you know chief medical officer who's interested in quality. It's the chief financial officer who cares about finances. I mean, it's all the people who are going to interact and either be an influencer or a decision maker in mm-hmm. that process. And then I find that once you really understand that, then you start writing the messages. Then you get clear. You know. So then we say, okay, so... How do we want to talk about what's going on in the industry? How do we want to talk about how you're solving yeah. this issue? And that's where I really, I choose every word carefully because mm-hmm. you don't have people's attention for very long. And you don't want to say something that you don't mean. You don't want to use industry jargon because that's what you think you're supposed to say. You're mm-hmm. not saying anything. You know, so getting really crystal clear. And then that second part is like, we write messaging for each stakeholder. So that you know generally how you talk about it. And then how do I talk about it when I'm in front of this particular person? Our message needs to change depending on who we're talking to. Yeah. The, core, the core values, right? Your core values are the same. Yeah. If I'm talking to a parent or a child, I mean, the, the way I'm going to deliver that message is going to really be different. Yeah. Because that end user is different. And so we work through that process a lot. And then usually I love to sort of think through like a frequently asked questions document because I think that if people are prepared to answer the tough questions and the easy questions, then they're not afraid of anything. If you know, 
I don't know, if you're raising money, right, and you um, are trying to raise money and you're going to people and they're asking you questions, so I'm sure the easy questions you know, but people ask hard questions. Oh, you know, you raised money last year, why are you asking again, or whatever it is. Yeah. And if you're prepared, you feel confident, and then you can do anything. So I find like those three pieces, I, mean, I do a lot of other, of other things for the clients, but I feel like those three pieces arm my clients with something incredible. Those are the big rocks you want to get into the container. Totally, totally. <clears throat> Yeah. But have you run into issues mm -hmm. where maybe the client or the business that you're working with, they yeah. don't know yeah. themselves first, yeah. right? I can't ask someone mm -hmm. what their values are if they don't know themselves, right? Totally. So then we have to go on this self-discovery journey, this mm -hmm. curiosity journey, which leads us potentially to some of these values and then actually defining those values and then trying to flourish via those values. Yeah. So if the company doesn't know their mission statement, they don't know what their aim goal or what problem they're trying to solve is, what, what do you, how do you go from there? Yeah, so I often say that one of, the, one of the best things about this process is not the end result of that document. It's the process. Uh, yeah. With communication in general, when you are forced to write down how you do something or what you do, all the gaps are illuminated. Mm. They all are brought to the surface. It's like a thing with people in my profession. We're usually brought in too late <laughs> afterwards, right? Oh, we promised this person something. Now, can you help us write about it or talk about it? And when we start to write about it, we're like, well, did you think about this? Or what about that? And they're like, oh, crap. I didn't, I didn't think that through, mm. you know? So I think with communication in general, it's, and then, so yeah, so then I'm like, I'm a coach. I'm a therapist sometimes, right? right? I got a bunch of founders in the room and we're ping-ponging back and forth and I have to figure out a way to, it's a dance. I mean, it's a, it's a dance, yeah. right? Um, and I have to push back and I have to say, well, okay, you like this, but that actually doesn't align with what your co-founder said. So what, what are we going to do? And it's my job to bring up the inconsistencies and the gaps to the team mm -hmm. so that we can agree on this, this messaging Bible. I mean, that's what I call it. Because when you get to that end result, that needs to be your value system. That needs to be the thing that takes you forward. Right. Um, but it's a, it could be a painful, difficult, lengthy process to get there. You know, sometimes I'll put together a list of words and I'll just send it to them and I'll say, okay, how do these words feel to you? Yeah. Does this word feel like it reflects what you're trying to do? Yeah, it has to have yes some sort no. of, you know, gut reaction. Exactly. So it's the same thing with values and, and personal anything, right? Yeah. Like the way we talk about ourselves to ourselves, the thoughts we have, those are the words we're choosing. Mm. So you have to think carefully about the way that you want to perceive yourself, the way you want to talk about yourself to others, because that's... That's everything. Mm -hmm. So it takes time to refine those, those words. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I encourage journaling so often for right. that ex exact reason, right? Mm -hmm. You're talking about in a business sense where companies trying to get clear so they want to write everything down and then right. boom, 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 boom. It eventually leads you to something that you can find a, kind of grab onto. Same thing with journaling. Mm -hmm. Like take five minutes and write down everything that you feel that's in your brain right now. Right. And then it doesn't have to be coherent at this moment, but maybe come back the next day and you kind of look through that, everything you wrote, and you kind of circle some things and underline some things that kind of pop out. Okay, here's one thing. What does this mean? Why do I feel like this? Mm -hmm. And kind of dig down the train of that one specific thought, not every 75 thought you had in Correct. five minutes, but there's enough where you can kind of dive deep into one thing. You can realize why you're feeling that way. You can circle on some unmet needs or some unresolved yeah. stuff. And then, okay, now we have one thing that we can focus on for the next couple of weeks and we can manage that and we can do it 
responsibly. For sure. Okay, now I go back and I do it again and again and Absolutely. again and again. And now you've worked through a lot of different things over a four, five, six year period of time. Yeah. Not a day. Right. Right? And then you have something. No, it's a process. And then you have improvement. Exactly like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're trying to build a process. The end result is just the end result. It's yeah, whatever. it's incidental. It's like a, it yeah, happens, exactly. Right? Exactly. But everything that we want is like right in there, is in that, in the meat and bones of the conversation or the journaling or the right. interaction or whatever. Right. And I imagine that you find this as well, but for me, like the clients who are open to that process and open to the fact that it's not gonna, you're not gonna hire me and, you know, in one week get a deliverable of the way that you talk to everyone. It's a process and you have to be willing to do that with me. Otherwise, the deliverable is not gonna be great. So I imagine, you know, if you're coaching someone or working through, you know, a team, like if they're not open to entering that process with you, your end deliverable, right? The end result, is it's not going to be as fruitful. Right. Maybe it won't last as long. Maybe it won't be as deep as it could have been because you have to be open to the process. Um, and by the way, similar in both cases, just because I've given you the end deliverable doesn't mean that it's over. <laughs> the messaging document is good for now, but you always have to revisit it because mm -hmm. there's always going to be way, you know, you go, you go to market with this thing that we're like, oh, this is great. This is amazing. And then it falls flat in some areas that you didn't anticipate because you don't know. You can't, you can't know the future. Right. You've done your research. You try your best. You massage a few words. You feel good about it. And then you go to market. So it's the same thing. You have a set of values. You think you know how you're going to handle something. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it falls flat. And then you re-look at your values or you, you renegotiate things internally. So I feel like there's a ton of similarities. Yeah. 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 I was just about, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I was just about to say that, right? It's like when I... When you, when you see people and they start like going on this self-improvement journey or their mental health journey or whatever, yeah. whatever it is, mm -hmm. you're never, you're never exonerated from the work. No. Right. You never reach a point in your life where your mental health is always going to be good all the time, every day. No. It's impossible. But you've went on this journey. And so now you're armed with the tools yes. that will help you more often than not get out of the situation you're in better than you could handled it before. Correct. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to stumble and fall oh, water. and you're yeah. not going to deal with loss and grief and death and For failure. Sure. That's always going to happen. It's life. No matter what. You're not We're exonerated human. We're from human. that. Right? But you now have these amazing tools that'll potentially help you talk better to yourself, be yes. more resilient, have a little more confidence, Absolutely. be more optimistic about dire situations, be realistic about your current situation, but also grateful for what you have. All of these things are just tools that are going to help you deal with the inevitable struggle that life has to offer. And it's the mm -hmm. same thing when creating a clear message. You put out this great message. Yeah. It works. Sometimes. Sometimes it yeah. doesn't. But how are you going to make it continue to work through revisions and, right. you know, and I think like that, and all that. that beginning part, right, where you're, you set at the stage with the client or yourself, right, where you're open to the back and forth. Mm -hmm. And then, so that way, if you need to do it again, you're like, yeah, but I, I know how to do the back and forth. It's not terribly scary. So you are making progress, yeah. right? So if you've decided to enter this journey of um, self-improvement or whatever it is you're trying to do, um, if you dive in, you develop the tools, you come out, you try certain things, um, you're not starting from scratch, you're just, you're, you're falling back on those tools and you're renegotiating some things, right? Yeah. So it's not, it's not lost, it's just, I mean, it's a process, we're human beings. But I will say that that process can sometimes be exhausting. It can be. You know? Uh, but that's part of knowing what you're walking into. Like it's, you don't want to think that it's going to be this simple fix, just like with what I do professionally. If you do, your end result will not be as rich and as ripe. It just won't be. Yeah. Um, 
But sometimes it can be exhausting, I feel like, you know. It it's a lot of mental work, and sometimes you just want to, like, take a break, you know. And, and absolutely, rest and recovery are an important part of every journey. For sure. So, yeah, I'm noticing more and more as I develop professionally and personally, there's a lot of similarities between what I'm working on personally and what I'm doing professionally. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize until the past couple of years when I've been thinking a lot more about both my professional and personal journey. And it's quite interesting to me that they're basically the same, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been nice. It's been nice to recognize it. Feels like maybe, okay, so maybe I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, right. you know, cause it, it feels right. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned uh, a little bit of fear that, that went into initially publishing your website. Yeah. Um, do you have that same sort of fear when it comes to now constantly posting on social media, which you have done recently? Yeah, I'm I don't trying. know if that's you've done something forever, but you're definitely doing it recently. Some of your blog posts and LinkedIn right. posts. And is that every time you post there, is that something that you have to overcome or now does it feel a little bit more natural? It depends. Like on LinkedIn feels a little safer than like Facebook. I don't know why. I guess because at Facebook, I have a lot of like personal friends that are not professional. Yeah. Whereas in, on LinkedIn, I'm saying, like, this is my professional life. Um, so even though it's not necessarily logical, I do think that there's a little voice there. Um, so absolutely. I think sometimes about starting videos, and I'm petrified. Mm. Like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? But I actually know in my heart that if I start doing it, good things will come. I right. know. I know for sure. I'm not, it's not like, who am I to think? I know for sure, for sure, it will be good for me. And maybe it will help me get my name out there and start generating business. And, you know. I can guarantee you yeah. that it will. Right. Right. Epis episode number one of this podcast, mm -hmm. or this is episode 91, yeah. had no stand for my camera. Right, right. And no microphones. Right. And then I just put it out. Yeah. And now episode 91, not bad, right? Right, yeah. Still could Pretty do a great. lot of improvements. I'm a mediocre podcast host at this point. But look who you got on your thing in 91. I mean, you worked up to me. Guests. I know, I right? Unbelievable guests. No way I would have come on at episode some, one. We have know? some mics when I'm at, know. My, when I'm at everybody's legit. land, which is my house. No. We have some actual mics. No, it's awesome. You know, uh, it's clear, visible, yeah. right? But it's just about putting it out there. For sure. And then eventually, yeah. it could lead to somewhere. Or it's not, but... The most important part about this podcast for me is mm -hmm. not about putting it out or millions of people seeing it, which would be awesome because yeah. I think a lot of people could benefit from what's happening on this podcast. Yeah. Share the podcast. Share it, guys. But it's that <laughs> no other times in my life, yeah. unless I'm just like with my girlfriend, we're hanging out, which is like great. Right. No other times in my life do I get to have a conversation with someone right. uninterrupted, Yeah. no phone, nothing. Right. It's just this is it. Yeah. And That's I wish awesome. that everyone had a chance to do that. No, I hear you. Because if they say, hey, I'm recording my podcast, people respect that. Totally. But what if I'm not recording, I'm not posting it anywhere. I'm just using it as a way to have conversation and actually ask a person, how are you? Yeah. But I totally cut you off. No, no. I, I think, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. So you're on video now and you're doing amazing. Hello. No, listen, I, I, I also, in my heart, I know I'd be fine at it. Great. Like I really, I don't, I'm fine. When I get up in front of people, I'm okay. Yeah. But I have a lot of trepidations about, um, beforehand like getting the courage mm. i usually find it um i guess it goes back to my people pleasing thing you know mm. or what are they going to think of me and i've done a lot of work to care less yeah. care a lot less like a lot lot less i mean i used to care a lot not about how i was perceived like from a status perspective i never cared about that but just like you know 
right, did I do right by that person? Or uh, do those people think that I'm, I don't know, being stuck up? Or did I say the wrong thing? I don't know. Like, I, I think, I used to think a lot about that. And I'm, uh, those thoughts come in. So if I'm going to do something like a video, right? I find on my with my blog, sometimes I post content that's really clearly relevant to what I do. And other times it's just me thinking mm -hmm. because I'm using it really just as a way to get better at being creative and being consistent and mm -hmm. putting my words on paper mm -hmm. because I think that that's what's important to me right now, mm -hmm. personally and professionally. Um, I would view, you know, posting videos the same way. It's just, let me just get in practice of sharing thoughts, right? But I wouldn't necessarily have like a really strict strategy and sometimes I feel like, ooh, is that bad? What are people gonna think? I'm not consistent. That's fair. So so I have those thoughts, you right. know? But that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Like that's the next scary thing that I think I need to do. And now that I've said it out loud in front of all you, I need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I have big dreams. I, I wanna I wanna do big things, you I know? know? Yeah. I see it. I feel it. Yeah. And I, I think for a long time, I, I didn't like, I didn't even own that, that I wanted to be big and do big. Um, and I'm not afraid of saying that anymore, which is great. So cool. Yeah. It's awesome. You'd, yeah. I don't know. You deserve to chase your dreams. Yeah. I think so. I think everyone does. Totally. You know, and we're all capable of that. Mm hmm This infinite amount of potential that we have just ready to go. For sure. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean. Do you feel like you're finally seizing it or you've been seizing it or what's that? I'm, I'm like in the process, you know, like yeah. I, I think that I'm easily, I'm still easily kind of taken back. Like if someone says something, not on purpose. Um, oh, well, aren't you doing a lot? Or, you know, don't put something else on your plate or, mm. you know, those little comments, which are totally innocuous and coming from very loving people in my life. Sometimes I'm like, what? stop, you know, I, <sighs> let me go. Let me fly, you know? And, but it. I'm not yet at a point where all those comments I could completely ignore. Sure. You know, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm really getting there, but I'm not yet there. And so that's something I'm also trying to work on. Like, I don't need someone else's mood or comment to affect me. Mm. Um, and, and intellectually, I know that my external circumstances do not have, have to have any bearing on how I feel at all. Um, and a lot of the time I, I kind of live that, but sometimes, you know, Sometimes I'm human. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So your relationship with social media is pretty good, you'd say? Well, I am not, I've never, so professionally I'm trying to build it up, but like I don't do Instagram at all. I don't, I've never, before launching something professionally, I had like a love-hate relationship with social media. Sort of felt like people who are posting are just trying to, like show off. Mm. I, I've always been like sensitive or try, I, try, I try to be sensitive to like, well, am I saying the wrong thing? Am I hurting someone by accident? Mm. I think a lot about that. I used to more than I do now. Like that, you know, their happiness or whatever. So, so I wouldn't want to like show, I wouldn't want to post something that maybe could hurt someone by accident. Right. And then because of that, I just sort of never posted. At all. Yeah. Mm. Um, so strictly personal, I don't, I don't do a lot of posting. Right. Like everyone knows, like when my sister comes to visit, they're so excited because she's going to post pictures of my kids because I don't, I don't ever do it. Right. Not for any reason. I just, I just, I never built a really strong intimate relationship with social media. Yeah. 
But I acknowledge that it's like it's a great way to connect with people, and there's a lot of really wonderful things about it. Sure. So it's also just like, you know, becoming acquainted. Acquainted. Thank you. Yeah. Great word. You knew the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, becoming acquainted with social media in a way that maybe I haven't before, and that also that is also I'm sure an intimidation factor with the video. It's like okay, so now I'm. Now I'm going to do this thing, and I don't even know how to do it. I'm not, you know, I'm not even familiar with it. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, what was your social media like life before launching all this stuff? I didn't post much mm. when I was in college. Yeah. Playing baseball, I I could have more would have been cool, right? Yeah. Would have gained some more followers. Right. And then basically, when my baseball uh, career was over, yeah. I hopped right into wrestling. Right, and that was big. And that's all I did was post. Right. Curated right. videos of me pretending to be a movie star right. and a wrestler and right. all these that's, things. That was the whole thing. That was the shtick. It was yeah. It, it it was it was cool, but yeah. I wasn't posting anything real, no matter what. Right. Because you were always Jackson. You weren't yeah. Aaron. Right. 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 Yeah. And now it's 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 shifted quite a bit, right? All my social media handlers are still under Jackson Stone, right? Because that's where I've gained all of my following and have the ability to do this podcast. Because people from wrestling have actually followed, right. and now I have different areas where people have come and, and joined this podcast, which is great. And mm -hmm. I, I like having continuing with the name Jackson Stone. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are familiar with you know Aaron Mashbitz, right? Because they go to You Are Loved, and that's everywhere. Yeah, and they know my sister, right? And things of that nature, right? And so it was. I don't know if it was easy to to switch into like all this curated pretend content into like, hey, this is just me on camera. I'm basically just got out of bed, but I have like <laughs> something that's on my mind and I want to share it right now. And I don't really care if my hair is this way or I don't have the right camera. Or there's there's no something microphone. really freeing about that. And it, when I started oh. doing it, I was just like, this is it. Like, this is what, you know, and then you start to build a little bit more higher quality content when you're doing sure. long form conversations yeah. where you have more time. But if I'm like, just at my house and I'm, I'm reading this book and I find this passage to be extraordinary and it like hit me very hard. I want to record something immediately right. so other people can feel the same way. Right. And that's how I think about content. I don't think I'm creating content. Right. I think I'm documenting content. Mm, and I think great. that's a hard switch for me. It was like, what am I creating? This podcast isn't right. Who am I? That kind of conversation. Not, in yourself, you know. Yeah, I'm right, just like, right. I'm just doing this because I put up a camera and now we're talking. Right. We had the same conversation on the couch with your dad like right. two days ago. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. And that's the same thing I view my social media. Right. All the stuff that I post is a, is a stark reminder to me because I'm still in the midst of my journey. Mm -hmm. haven't figured out literally anything. No, a little bit. That's yeah. helped me, right? I'm right. sharing it, but I'm working through it all at the same time. Right. And so that's how I have this view of social media. Well, it's kind of similar, right? We were talking about when, you, when you're forced to write something down, things become clear in your head. Yeah. When you're forced, because you've promised your audience that I'm going to show up every week for you or whatever yeah. it is, when you're forced to show up, you start paying more attention yeah. to the things that you can show up with. And so it's, I would imagine, therapeutic for you absolutely, as well as absolutely. for you know, your, your audience. So it's, it's a process. And that's also one of the reasons I, I've been enjoying writing. Um, Sometimes it's giving clients a checklist for things they should think about. Pretty strategic, business-minded, but sometimes it's it's just my thoughts. Yeah. And it's a nice way for me to get uh, get to know my inner self and my challenges and things that are becoming clear to me or that were fuzzy before and now aren't. It's a force. You're being forced to focus on it, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so... Thinking about it like that is a much healthier, really wonderful way to think about it. I also think that when you, 
you post a conversation like we're having and it allows other people to know that these conversations are great and uh, they're, having, they're happening all over. There's a lot of great things about social media, right? It yeah, there people. is. Makes you feel less alone, but it can also make you feel incredibly lonely. Yep. So it's like it's it's a powerful tool in all the ways. Um, so I'm trying I'm trying to figure out for myself where I'm comfortable and how I'm comfortable with it, and uh, the who I who am I who am I to whatever that has definitely creeped into it's me. Some imposter syndrome. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I got that. I have that all the time. Mm. But um, I'm also you know I have a set of skills. You do. And there's no reason why I shouldn't share with my clients and with the world. And for some people, it will be great, and some people can ignore me. That's okay. You know, I'm, not, I'm not forcing anyone to do anything. Right. Right now, I'm not even forcing anyone to read. Right now, it's really for me. And if someone else also enjoys it, then that's great. Awesome. Plus, A plus. You know, if someone comments on something and says, that's great, I love how you said X, Y, and Z, awesome. I'm so happy that you enjoyed it, too. I kind of liked it, too. I didn't even realize I would. You know, so it's a process. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Sharing your thoughts, your inner thoughts, is a, it's a brave thing to do, and it feels awesome to be brave. Yeah. It feels great. Because you've, you've made the switch from living your life to mm -hmm. avoid failure, yeah. but living your life to approach success. Totally. And being able to fail in public and learn out loud. Yeah. I think it's awesome. And I that's really, cool. I think it's great. And I, maybe that goes back to that kind of like I'm unapologetic. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm. This is my journey. I'm being me. Right. And I'm being brave. And I think for a while, for whatever reason, I was like a little afraid. You know, be, when you're a perfectionist, it's, you're just afraid. Yeah. You know, that's okay. I've been a perfectionist. I, I still am in many areas of my life. But sometimes I work really hard to make sure is it right? Are they going to like it? No, that's just you're just afraid. You're not ready yet to go out and share something because you're afraid that someone somewhere won't like it. Mm -hmm. And I can't ever please everyone. No. So I'm just gonna do what I think I'm supposed to do and that feels nice, you know? Um, yeah, that feels nice. So yeah, I'm like working through it, I don't know. Now, parenting's a whole nother issue. You know, that's just, hard. I was just about to talk about that. <sighs> yeah, that's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. How many kids do you have and what are their ages? I have four kids. Mm -hmm. uh, ten and a half year old, uh, almost 11 year old boy, mm -hmm. six year old boy. No, I, I skipped my seven year old girl. Okay, <laughs> I'll just go in their order. It's much easier. I'm tired, guys, okay? Grandma brunch. You Grandma's know, brunch. Yeah, you know, we had a little champagne, you know what I mean? Champagne, yeah, made some exactly. speeches. Exactly, yeah. exactly. All our speeches were great. Speeches were great. We nailed it, guys. A plus stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, I have a son who's almost 11. Yeah. I have a daughter who's seven and a half. I have a son who's almost six, and I have a two year old. Yeah, they're Amazing. cute. They're great. So, a couple questions. Boy, girl, boy, girl. Based off that. Yeah. And we just talked about social media. Yeah. And your oldest mm -hmm. is getting is, is is probably getting ready to eventually maybe have a phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a few years, whenever yeah. you decide that's okay. Right. A few years away. What's that like for you? It's and terrible. making those decisions. It's terrible. It's so hard it has to be like. It's so hard. I think there's two things going on. Number one, anybody would find it difficult, right? Because it's like they're, you're opening them up to a world that you can't control. Yeah. 
Like I, I can't, I can't, one, once he gets that phone and he can do anything on the internet, it's the world wide web. You know, it's the whole world. And I can't control that anymore. And he is young. Like it, that, that part is just terrifying. Yeah. And then on top of it, because I have a bit of a rigid personality, it's really hard for me to relinquish control mm. there and to live in the gray. You know, that's been hard for me in my whole life. Now in parenthood, I, I think, you know, the best parents are comfortable living in the gray. You know, like so, so, what I mean by that is like sometimes there are rules, right? Like when, when your kids are young, it's really easy to be like, bedtime's at 6.30. Mm -hmm. We don't do that and we do that. You know, like young kids really flourish with real, really strict guidelines because like they're just little. But as they're growing up and they're experiencing the world and they're bringing home questions and comments, I think the best parents can fluctuate in and out depending on the situation yeah. and that's been hard for me to adjust to um, as you could probably imagine I'm pretty good at the conversation part of it right. right like I'm pretty open and I can I can translate a complicated topic into something that's digestible for yeah. each kid I'm pretty good at that but the adjusting the rules adjusting bedtime even the simple things yeah that's really hard for me Oof. so this the technology that's like next level you know yeah it's really hard he likes Nintendo, he plays Fortnite. It's just people killing each other. I don't know, like it's just a bunch of shooting and it's violent, but he likes it and he talks to his friends and it's like, so what's the, you know? Yeah, so that is a lot, it's a lot. I so mean, much. Mm -hmm. I mentioned this the other day to you about my team, right? A coach of 13 year old right, team. Right, right. And I, I imagine one of these boys on the team coming to practice mm -hmm. and not having a phone. Right. Like their parents made a decision mm -hmm. that their 13-year-old son doesn't need a phone yet. Right. Which right. is a amazing. Amazing decision. And He's not, not hard. On and, not, and not easy. Not easy. They have right? to drive him to and from, obviously, because these kids can't drive yet. So they, right. they, they know where he is at all times. He's at school. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's also some. So that's a great decision they made, potentially. Yeah. Right. Right. He comes to practice. Mm hmm. At the end of practice, everyone starts to pull out their phone because that's what kids do. Right. And he doesn't have one. Mm. He's looked down upon. Yeah. He's not included. What's wrong with this guy? So his hard. parents not have any money. Right. All these questions, they don't Crazy. Not, they're not specifically asked out loud by the 13-year-old boys. They're implied. But they're thinking about yeah. it. And so now he's left over here on his island and everyone else is here simply because his parents made a conscious effort to try to keep him away from social media yeah. just a tiny bit longer, mm -hmm. which is so admirable and beautiful. Right. But you're also then alienating your son away from having a close group of friends. Totally. That's one, one decision. Yeah. One yeah. decision out of a multitude of decisions just about the cell phone. Yeah. In relation to sports, which it's is crazy. the only area I can speak right. about. But it's the same. It's the same everywhere. Kids, these are my kids, basically. It's the same. It's It's crazy. And so I can't even imagine mm -hmm. thinking about that with your own flesh and blood, baby, going out and like, how do I expose him to this? What's on the internet? What might he find? What are his friends looking at? But okay, how does he communicate with these friends? That's great. Now he's building friendships. But what are they actually saying to each other? Yeah. Are they sending videos, gifts? What's happening? Oh my God, is this... It's crazy, yeah. So you so you can't you can't be rigid because then you go crazy. Yeah. So you have like two choices. Either you like you don't care at all or... I, <laughs> It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of, if it's, a, it's a lot. It so is. I find myself constantly being like, okay, is this, am I, is this me? Is this Jesse being rigid? Or is this like a line that's important to draw? Or should I let this go? Or, you know, it's just like the constant dialogue, especially because he's my oldest, yeah. you know? So I'm like learning on the so fly. So you're learning on the process. Yeah. Um, 
And I tell him, and I tell myself, like, there's always going to be parents who let more and let less, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, well, we experience that. Every kid experiences that. They're, you got friends who are able to do more than you and friends who are, well, yeah, you know, even in our own family, right? Exa exactly. With our aunts and uncles exactly. making different decisions for exactly. their kids, which is what they thought was best. Right, right. But that piece is, it's definitely the, the, the source of tension in our house with him, for sure. He's, would, a, great, he's a great kid. I that's the thing we, we struggle with. That yeah, is he's, it. He's amazing. There's a, uh, he's a great. There's a beautiful picture of him on my social media with mm -hmm. him wearing a very, very large yes. original Lights Camera Jackson shirt. It's mm -hmm. one of my most favorite pictures yeah, ever. Yeah, great. So I great. visited them in 2018 uh, after I did a trip to Israel. Like, right. It was, yeah. Was, yeah. It was one of the greatest trips I ever took. Simply because, I'll tell you the story, I guess it's important to tell yeah. the story. Uh, my sister and I, in 2018, had planned to go to Israel together. She was going to do uh, a trip that was for like over 30-year-olds, and I was going to go on birthright. Uh, and then she passed away in September, and I thought that I didn't want to go on this trip because why would I want to be around Judaism? Because that was like connected me and my sister, and I didn't want to go. It's stupid. It's dumb. And then I thought about it for like a long time and I decided to go and then I decided to extend my trip three days mm -hmm. past birthright and spend time with you and your family. And it ended up being like the one of the best 11 days of my entire life. And I met some amazing people on that trip and uh, I felt like, um, yeah, I felt like a, a very close to my sister very recently after she had passed because mm -hmm. she was very religious. And yeah. That was important to her, and at that time, I was like, didn't have a good relationship with God, obviously. Now it's much better, but it's taken a lot of time and some some studying and whatever, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so all that is leading to that picture that your son took. Yeah, uh, that was, was great. Yeah, and he's lovely, so... Yeah, that was great. That was awesome that you came. It was great. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it seems e like an easy decision now. Like, why right. wouldn't I go? Right. Like, why wouldn't I go? Yeah, You're about to go to Israel. Yeah. With people who don't know you, and you can mm -hmm. and be in this environment. Because we assign meaning to lots of things. But it had so much meaning. Yeah. And I went the whole trip. Like, I went in December. My sister passed away in... I didn't realize you had gone so soon, in, so close to I went her in death. December, and she passed away in September. And that's wow. you know, three months, four yeah, months, Yeah, I right? thought like a year. Wow. Okay. And I hadn't told anyone on the trip about it, because right. I didn't know how to bring it up. Oh, I remember you telling us. And then right. at the very last day of the trip, yeah. everyone was talking about why they came on this oh, trip. Oh, God. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I've never shared it to anyone yet. I hadn't yeah. started opening up on a platform yet. Right. And I was like, seems like a... Yeah, safe place. Yeah. Like a really important time to tell someone that this happened to me. And then like three or four people after I shared had very similar stories. Wow. And that's when I started posting a lot about the stuff I do now and You mm -hmm. Are Love came to be. And it was like, you know, hindsight. Wow, what an amazing thing. And that's when also you probably realized like, wow, I'm not, this isn't just me. Right. You know, there's a world of people who are suffering like me, not like me, but the world, it... It's much smaller than we think it is, yeah. you know, and we're all connected in weird ways. So yeah. that was a really special trip for you. Incredibly. Amazing. That's why I can't wait to go back. I know, I know. No, it was, it was great to have you, yeah. you know. But yeah, we, we, we assign meaning to a lot of different things. Sometimes, sometimes we look back and we're like, why, why did that have to mean that in my head? And other times we're like, oh, that's great that those, those things connect somehow. Right. Um, 
now that you've done some healing, I, I would imagine, like the fact that Israel reminds you of Rachel is a good thing. Great thing. Right? And then it was like, it was painful mm -hmm. to sort through that. So. This year was the first time I went to High Holidays. Oh, wow. At my synagogue. How'd that feel? Great. Yeah. I did a presentation, a talk about, really? my, about my life, about You Are Loved at the men's club at my synagogue. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So. That's yeah. a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a process, right? It's a process. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to learn that, to not rush anything. Like, it'll come when it comes. Right. It'll happen when it happens. But I have to put myself in those situations for those things to come and for me to realize those things. Right. You know, if I was just laying in bed all day, which is totally fine some days, I feel like that, and I want totally. to do that, and I do do that. Yeah. But if I was doing that consistently, none of this amazing stuff would have come to me, and I wouldn't be able to make, uh, make these realizations. But For sure. Yeah. yeah. You've got to be willing to do some of the uncomfortable work, and then really good things come. But, yeah, this stuff isn't easy. No. I was talking to a friend of mine who said, I know, I think, like, with COVID, let's say, you know, we've seen some people, we've seen people react in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, I have some friends who have had, who have struggled, who've always had some level of anxiety, and I think COVID has really made it incredibly difficult for them. And others have kind of responded differently. And I was talking to my friend, and she said, I think you and I, her. She also has struggled with um, some depression and some other things. And she said, because I've uh, been working on this forever, I think I walked into COVID um, with the tools I needed to sort through whatever kind of crap it brought up for me. And I, and I was telling her, I think the same thing. Because I have worked on this for a while, Yeah. when I, so far, when I've encountered challenging things, I can fall back on those tools. It doesn't mean that I don't have to use them, but, you know, so... No, I don't know. You know? I do. Yeah. Circling back, I wanna I don't wanna miss part of that conversation we were having about social media and your kids. Yeah. So now I understand the difficult decisions you're no, I don't understand, but I kind of have the context <laughs> mm -hmm. of yeah. what you're trying to make decisions about your oldest. And now your youngest will yeah. you have to make these decisions for for uh, her yeah. when, what, 10 years, 10 years from now? Right. And things will be totally different. Totally. Like I was in high school, graduated mm -hmm. from high school in 2010. Yeah. It's 2022 now. And in 12 years time, technology is completely different. I got totally. a high school my junior year. Oh, I got, I got a high school. I got mm -hmm. a phone my junior year of high school. Right. It was fine. Right. Maybe people got it their sophomore year, but no one cared. Right, it was like, okay, you got a phone. You're mm -hmm. going to text on it. Maybe you got unlimited texting from your parents. Right. Or maybe you you were lucky if you got yeah. unlimited texting. Or maybe yeah. you can text like you seven texts a day. Exactly, whatever, right? yeah. And then social media started becoming a thing more and more. But now it's right. like these kids are being born with it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so I can't even imagine where it'll be when... Oh, I don't know. Liat. Yeah, my youngest. I mean, she, she takes my phone and she'll, she'll, you know, she knows how to swipe to yeah. open it up. I'm like, what are you doing? You're two. You don't even speak yet. But she knows. She knows. She knows how to take pictures on it. I mean, she just knows it's 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 what she breathes, it's and part it's of insane. Her life. Yeah, it's crazy. And there's nothing you really you can do about it. Yeah, just like you know, life was like a little more simple when I was growing up. Yeah, like how do we simplify it? I don't know. While also appreciating the technological advances that make our life better. Right. No, I I don't I don't know. That's so hard. I, it's so hard. And then there's all these other elements of like, you know, I think that social media, when in the hands of young children, I don't know that they're always using it for the right reasons, you know? And there's a lot of, yeah, there's bullying, but there's also just, you know, you wanting the confirmation and, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, where you're getting feedback from other people. Mm. 
a positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah, and and of course that happened in you know live when we were in you know growing up. But there's something it takes it to the next level. Am I going to get likes? Am I going to you know what? How do I look in this? You know, oh, if I don't look good, so I'll change the way you know I'll change the image. I'll change the filter. Like there's there's so much in authenticity mm -hmm. with the use of it that it becomes really challenging to raise kids. Yeah, it's, it's hard to raise kids with that in the backdrop. Right. You know, I want to raise confident, happy children, and that's not simple. And it's even more complicated when you have this thing that's like a portal into the whole world. You know, it's hard. It's really hard. So I, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing or what I will do. But well, you're trying your best. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people are well, you're the your same best. way. Trying to, I'm trying my best. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I'm trying my best. And when I when I make a mistake, I apologize. That's a big thing. To myself and to the yeah, I've made I've made plenty of mistakes with my kids, and I make sure to go back and apologize to them. Yeah. If one first right, you're impeccable with your word, mm -hmm. which you are. If you mean what you say and you say what you mean, right? Then when you do make a mistake, which is inevitable, and you yeah. apologize for it, people take it sincerely. Totally. Yeah. Because your words aren't meaningless. Right. If I tell you that I'm going to be there at five and six days a week, I'm late. And then I apologize all six days. Does that really have any meaning? Right. Not really. No. No, but once every couple, whatever. Yeah. Right? I'm like, that's my bad. Yeah. They're like, oh, I believe you. Yeah. Because you're here and you mean what you say and you totally. say what you mean. It's the same thing when I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. Like I, I see this all the time with, with youth baseball coaches is that they're telling their players to be calm and relaxed and chill. Like, great. Right? But then when they make a mistake, you're grabbing the bucket of baseballs and you're launching them in the dugout. Yeah. So you're not embodying no. any sort of calm, relaxed behavior. No. And kids don't give a fuck mm -hmm. what you say right. if your actions do not follow that. No. I don't have to say any words, but if I'm cleaning my room and folding my clothes, mm -hmm. my kids will eventually do that. Yep. If I'm packing up my stuff and cleaning up the dugout after we play a game, my kids will eventually do that. Totally. But if For I'm sure. like, clean up your trash, and then yeah. I'm like dumping all of my yeah. shit on the floor. Yeah. Nobody cares. I mean, that's what I've been thinking about technology also, right? If I'm telling my oldest, you know, we're, we're trying to limit, you know, have one hour a night on Nintendo or whatever, and I'm always on my phone, I mean, what am I teaching him? Yeah. You know? So I'm trying to say, like, okay, you know, for the two hours of bedtime, I'm going to put my phone in my room. I'm going to put it away. So it's not a tempt for me. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I'm mirroring what I'm trying to teach them. But also, newsflash, you're like much more present when your phone's not in your face, you know? So I'm like a much better mom. I'm, I'm, I'm there with them. I'm listening to them. I'm, I'm attentive because I don't have this distraction. Yeah. So, um, you know, if I'm telling them not to yell or not to be disrespectful to one another, I have to make sure I'm not disrespectful to them. Yeah. You know? But it's hard. You have to think about that. It's all about modeling. And then it becomes a, an awareness for yourself. Like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I told them not to do. Yeah. I have to work on this. Right. This is, you That's know, important. Yeah. So it's important to think, think that through, for sure. Yeah, we have to have these emotional parameters or boundaries and these AM and PM routines when it comes to our phone. Mm-hmm. For to. sure, yeah. And if you're not thinking about it, then you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree with you. But I talked about ad nauseum mm -hmm. my morning routine and my nighttime routine mm -hmm. on this podcast. So we yeah. don't have to get into it. No, but it's good to have one. It's but, really good to yeah, have one. It's important to start at least thinking about it. Yeah. And moving in that direction. For of, sure. Of how you can spend the first 30 minutes of your day and at least the last 30 minutes. It should be extended out to that, but mm -hmm. people have lives and things to do and right. that's not always possible. But the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes of your day uh, are extraordinarily important. You're setting yourself up for a good day within the, within the 
how you go to sleep, and then you're doing it again when you wake up in the morning, how yeah. the rest of your day is going to go. No, for sure. But. I feel that way also, like, um, when I'm in a good routine, I have, like, a nice smoothie after I exercise in the morning. Yeah. And even if the rest of the day I eat shit, yeah. I'm like, but it feels good to start your day off right, right. you know? And, and, and the truth is, the days that I do that, I end up eating less shit. Because you, you force yourself into a position where you're like, okay, I started well. Let me, let me try and continue that as long as possible. Yeah. You know? Or, um, so there's a lot of, yeah, simple things. We've well, already honored yourself to start the day. Right. So you're already telling yourself immediately that you're important. Yeah. And so if you can cure, if you can hold that feeling with you longer, mm -hmm. you're going to do more things that make you feel important. Totally. And then honor yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have a couple more questions. Okay. But they're big ones. Okay, shoot. I guess they're not questions. They're just more, uh, we'll speak further on something that you mentioned earlier. You're talking about ADHD. Mm-hmm. When you... When you, if you don't want to talk about this, just say pass. No, I won't pass. I know when now you, I won't pass. <laughs> when you initially got diagnosed, yeah, did you start taking medication? Mm -hmm. And then if you did, did you stop as an adult? And are you back on it now that you've revisited yeah. ADHD? I, I got the ADHD diagnosis. I'm trying to think the timeline. When I was in high school, mm -hmm. um, it was it was mostly about anxiety, and I took um, some medications for anxiety. Yeah. Um, that was like what was more prevalent in my life in terms of the struggle. Yeah. And it tends to be with a lot of like depression, anxiety, and then ADD, ADHD, like they're, it's hard to dis disentangle them, right? Because if you're, if you're really distracted um, for whatever emotional, mental reason, like it's hard to focus on your tasks. And then you get, so they're very, it's very hard to separate the two, you know, sometimes. Um, so I focus more on my anxiety part and I was able to get accommodations in school, like extended time and et cetera. I had, I had a, a doctor at that point, like, write a note, like, and she probably also has ADHD, but I didn't get formal testing. Um, I'm trying to think if at that time I was also medicated. During high school, I certainly took, um, I took um, an anxiety medication, and I believe I also took an ADHD medication, though I'm forgetting the, the order. After uh, my freshman year of college, I came home and I said to my parents, I, I would like to get tested, educational psychoevaluation. I was like, I know something's going on in my brain. I don't know what, right? Like I was told you have, a, maybe you have ADHD, but I was like, I want to understand my brain. I want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, so I had the extensive and they were gracious enough to pay for this like two day extensive testing. Um, and we uncovered a lot and it was helpful, overwhelming, kind of sad, mm. all those things. Um, and then after that, I sort of always had some, I had stopped taking anxiety medicine at the point and then um, developed a set of skills, like tools. So I would see a therapist and, you know, I, I had extended time and I always was like, I would note take and I would highlight. Like I had to be very active in my learning. Nothing came easy to me from that regard. So I, I just developed skills that I was able, again, to that B plus A minus thing because yeah. it worked really hard. And I haven't, I haven't thought about medication since then. So that was when I graduated college. I was taking uh, some ADHD medication what for year work. Was that? 2009. Okay. So, in 2009, then 2010 I was taking it, my first job I was taking it, and then when I got pregnant with my first, um, there are plenty of medications that are totally safe. I sort of felt like, okay, you know what? Um, I have two choices. I can go find a physician who can coach me through the med medications that I can and can't take, or let me see what life feels like if I stop, right, just for this time period. And I stopped taking the ADHD medication, and I, I felt okay. I felt 
I felt okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I really haven't thought about medication since then, except about six months ago, I started thinking about it again. So I feel like over the past 12 years, right, I've had a set of skills and tools that I've been able to rely on and they've been good enough. Um, and then recently it's just become too challenging for me. And so I started thinking about medication again and recently I've been taking it. Um, and it, about a, about two months ago, it's just, it was just, I was just starting, I was just taking the ADD medication um, on the days that I was like putting in a lot of hours of work mm -hmm. and not on the other days. And more recently I've been thinking about making a kind of a daily medication. The thing with a stimulant is it works for the mo moment that you take it and then it's out of your body. It's not like some of the other mood stabilizers and other medications that you really needed to build up in your system. Right. So it does function differently. So I am able to sort of play around with it and see how I feel on and off of it. But recently, I've been talking to my husband. He's like, if it helps you feel more at peace and just take it. I yeah. mean, you know, and I'm sure there's some piece of me that I've had to reconcile that not that I don't want to take it every day, but it's it's helpful for me. And so I've been more open to it and have been taking it more than just the days that I work, you mm -hmm. know. Looking at it more as like, okay, this helps me. I'm just going to take it. It's just going to be the medication that helps me right now. Yeah. So that's kind of the evolution of that. Is that your current relationship with it? Yeah. Like, look, so over the weekend, I haven't taken it. Because mm -hmm. I felt pretty relaxed over the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a lot of obligations that I usually do. I'm not with my kids right now. I don't have, I, you know, I'm purposely not working. So I haven't felt... I would say like the past month or two, I've kind of described it like I kind of feel like my brain's on fire. <laughs> like I just, like there's so much to do and I can't, you know, I don't know, it's just a lot. It's just been a lot. Um, and I think with the past two years with COVID, like my tank's kind of empty. Like it, ju it just takes more effort to like manage life. Sure. Um, so yes, I would say generally though, like when I go back, like, uh, you know, I probably take it well every day. I'll probably take it every day, even on the days that I'm not necessarily planning to work a lot. Um... Yeah, and that's the relationship that I'm trying to develop with it more recently. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing. Okay, last final question. Yes. How does Judaism mm -hmm. impact everything that you've just said and your life and your kids and how you grew up? Oh, man. Well, Judaism is like a part of my every moment. Um, I am a modern Orthodox Jew and I live in Israel. So, Can you explain what that modern Orthodox modern, part is? Modern, absolutely. So I am an Orthodox Jew, so that means I'm pretty observant. Um, the Shabbat and um, the Shabbat is very important to us, and it's a big part of even our whole week. We're, we're planning for Shabbat, uh, meals with friends and family, going to synagogue, temple. Like that's a big part of what we do. Um, holidays. It, it's just it's. Um, it's what we plan for. It's what, you know, all week. Like Shabbat is a day that we have friends over with meals. So that means on Tuesday I'm planning it because I'm already cooking. I'm shopping on Wednesday and cooking on Thursday. Like even something as simple as Shabbat takes over my life in a good and an overwhelming way, but sure. mostly good. Um, we keep kosher, which means that I have a certain set of dietary uh, rules and a rubric that I follow in my family. It's basically family. a way of eating. Exactly. Us. Exactly. According to Jewish tradition. Exactly. And so I take that on in my family. Um, and 
And then there's sort of the other part, the, the, the value system, the way we've been raised, yeah. the traditions, mm -hmm. the, and, and that is, um, I think, something that people relate to, whether they're observant of the rules or not. Like the, the culture of Judaism means something different to everyone, but it's very much a part of me and my family, yeah. my family and I. Um, <laughs> can't make grammatical errors. I mean, come on. Um, so it, it, it is, it's the fabric of of my, it's one of the fabrics of my life. I was raised, oh, so when I say, sorry, I'll go back. So when I say modern Orthodox, right? It's yeah. like, it's living according to those um, more regimented r rules, um, but but in the modern world. So I, I have, we watch TV, we're, we're, we're very much in the world. I We work modern regular jobs. Right. We are in the world of everyone. We just have to balance that. We choose to balance that yeah, with to. traditional um, uh, value system of like the orthodox way of being Jewish. Yeah. And so it's it's a balance. It's a game. It's a um, you know prioritization that we're constantly kind of negotiating because we are both orthodox and modern. Um, and so because of that, it's it's a part of my life in 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 all the ways. Um, Living in Israel has been great because it is, um, there's a lot going on in the country. It's complicated with a lot of different types of people, both Jews and not. Um, but from a Jewish perspective, it's great because the country really accommodates um, uh, being Jewish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the businesses uh, go according to the Jewish calendar. And so, you know, the kids are off when the grown-ups are off, according to the Jewish calendar. The holidays is no big deal. Um, there are a lot of restaurants that are kosher. Mm -hmm. So I can go out and enjoy myself a little bit easier than I could maybe in the States where there aren't as many kosher restaurants. So there are things about it, but it's, it's absolutely a part of, of who I am and what I am and the way I think about raising my family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so... For a little background, I guess. Mm -hmm, please. There's three, like three different kinds of sects in terms of yeah. Judaism, in mm -hmm. at least in America. I'm not right. sure how it is in Israel. Yeah, yeah. But you can be a Reformed Jew, which is like, you know, your basic level Jew. Potentially, you celebrate Hanukkah, and maybe you had a bar mitzvah. I'm not really sure. Not part of that mm -hmm. sect of Judaism. And then there's conservative Judaism, which is what uh, I am with my family, and. We, we went to Hebrew school growing up. I had a bar mitzvah. My sister had a bat mitzvah. Right. We celebrate all the holidays. Mm -hmm. We do all of that stuff. When we visit the family, it's a little bit more religious because we're going off what they do, which right. is very nice. And so it's a little bit, we don't keep kosher or anything like that. I just previously mentioned mm -hmm. that my relationship with Judaism and God is getting better. And so I'm a little bit more into that religious aspect and spiritual aspect and faithful aspect and mm -hmm. God and all that. And then there's Orthodox uh, modern Orthodox. There's another one above that, right? Yeah, yeah. You could be, you can sort of remove the modern piece of it and be even more observant, uh, or uh, maybe not more observant, but um, um, remove some of the distractions of the modern world, mm. so you can be um, more focused, even on um, kind of the religious um, observant part of our religion. Yeah. So yeah, I would say like removing the the, the distractions sort of the next, I guess, the stricter version of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, being modern Orthodox is um, is difficult in sometimes because I'm, like, trying to straddle the line between keeping traditions as, um, as, as I believe they're meant to be kept, right? Yeah. But also, like, 
bringing the beauty of the modern world into my life. Yeah. And it's not always easy because there's some contradictions there sometimes. Yeah. So um, figuring out how I feel about certain things. I mean, I think we all feel like we are raised with a certain set of values and until we have to teach someone else or are asked ourselves, like we don't even realize. So having to raise children um, and choosing to raise them in a modern Orthodox home is forces me to think about the things that are important to me and why or why not. So that's been kind of an interesting process uh, through child rearing. Um, and just thinking about what, yeah, what, what I would be happy for them to continue and what's important to me for them. Um, is that why you and your husband decided to move the family to Israel? Because you could better instill those very important Jewish values and traditions to your kids? Um, I think that was definitely a part of it. I mean, I think growing up, you know, we'd visit occasionally. Um, my father has family there, and his my father's mother was from there. So there's always been a connection. Um, but yeah, the reason that visiting was always so incredible was because I felt like there was, it was like a country of a lot of me's, you know, and it felt nice growing up in America as an Orthodox Jew a lot of times, you know, and I'm working in, you know, in a regular consulting firm. Well, you know, if you go out to dinner or lunch with your coworkers, like we're not choosing a kosher restaurant. So you're going there and you're asking what's in this and when you feel kind of awkward or uncomfortable. In Israel, you know, it's it's not an inconvenience to the rest of my coworkers who may or may not keep kosher to go to a kosher restaurant because there's tons, you know. Yeah. Or even if we go to a, a not kosher restaurant, you know, they probably know about kosher or can at least help me. So it's it's just it's a little easier. It's a little easier to be me. Yeah. Um, and that feels really nice um, in a world that's complicated and nuanced and challenging. It's nice. It's nice to to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And that and the house that I visited you at. I slept in a room that was like the the bomb yeah. shelter room, yeah. which is very interesting to think about. Yeah, Is that a conversation that you have to have with your kids about? Why there's this room in the house that we specifically need in case something happens? Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, in May of this past year, the situation in Israel became a little elevated. It was a little bit tense. Um, and uh, I was with my kids in the park, and we heard a siren, and we had to run to safety under a wall. And it's the first time I've experienced anything like that. We've been living in Israel for six years, but generally, we've been lucky in Jerusalem. It's pretty shielded from some of that turmoil. Mm -hmm. um, and so when that happened, we came home, and I had to re uh, remind the kids of what we have this room for. And I'm careful uh, with the language we choose. I am not trying to raise my children with any ill feelings for anyone. It's just sort of we live here, and the situation is tense sometimes. And this is what we have to protect ourselves if we need to. Um, and we put water in there and some granola bars and some games. Um, actually, my daughter sleeps in there now. So she said, oh, it's great. I won't even have to wake up if we have to go in here in the middle of the night. So she was excited. Um, yeah, you know, it's weird every once in a while we think about it, but day to day, it's really just, it's a non-event. Right. Um, but every year, or twice a year, they have, they have drills just like we have fire drills, you know, in yeah. the States. They have drills where they know where the bomb shelter is in their school and how to go. And so it's just a part of our kind of normal life, mm. um, even though it's, of course, weighted and heavy for a variety of reasons. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, in, in general, I don't believe in kind of shielding my kids from anything. Mm -hmm. So we just sort of talk about it. You know, and occasionally they ask questions, but it's generally something that's just part of our life. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So when are you coming back to Israel? Uh, May 2024. <laughs> All right. My son's bar mitzvah. That's right. I'll bring <laughs> uh, him a shirt that fits this time. All right. Perfect. That sounds good. And it good. won't say a weird 
Pretend catchphrase like all right. Miss Cameron Jackson. Yes, all right. You bring all your merch, okay? We'll take it all. We'll take it all. No, Anyone who wants to come. Yeah. yeah, me and Lee would love to go. That'd be awesome. We'd love to have you. Any uh, last minute questions, comments, concerns, anecdotes, funny stories? I don't think so. This has been awesome. It's great because you've always been the younger, cute little cousin, and, you know? <laughs> And, and you're all grown up now, mm -hmm. and like we're all grown up in different ways, right? Yeah. We're adults now, all of us, and it's awesome to sit here and chat with my adult cousin about the life lessons that we have learned and continue to learn, you know, on this journey. And I'm like, I'm proud of you. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's really great. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. All love, right. Love you. I love you. And just so... Uh, now that people are super into you and everything that you have to say, uh -huh. where can they find you? Uh, my website is jessicovadu.com. Which will be put right here. All right. And at the beginning and in the show notes. Yeah. Come visit. Say hey. Yeah. And if I end up posting videos, you know, support me because I'm going to be scared. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you'll see a bunch of these clips posted on my Instagram. Okay. So you'll see her face. All right. And then you go to her page and you see her face without my face. It'll be beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, Crazy thank you time. for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're it's lovely. been really, really fun. Great. We'll uh, time. Yeah. Thank you for watching this episode of Jackson Talks, everybody. Come back here every single Tuesday for a brand new episode. We're leading up to a very special episode 100, which I have no idea what I'm going to do and how I'm going to make it special. It's got to be epic. But it's going to be special. That's insane. This, yeah, this is episode 91. Yeah. And amazing. Thank you for coming back every week. I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for this community. I appreciate you. Any time of the day, whenever you're listening to this, um, thank you. And I love you. And uh, have a great day. Cheers.